All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the Let Me Introduce You podcast. I am Jen. This is Adarian. We are covering hip hinging today. Yeah. And this is a, a good topic for Adarian. He's very passionate about this. But before we get into this, what is a hip hinge? I feel like it's important to define something before we talk about it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What's a hip hinge? <laughs> I, I found a definition in a research paper. It's a lower body movement that prioritizes eccentric hip flexion and concentric hip extension. What does that mean? <laughs> What's wrong with people? What is? Wait, say that again. Say that again. It's a lower body movement that prioritizes eccentric hip flexion and concentric hip extension. Ooh, they make this hard. They do. They make it. They make it hard. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, hip hinges basically. I'm not gonna let my knee flex as my torso goes forward or backwards. Although, wouldn't you consider like a deadlift a hip hinge? No, RDL is more of a hip hinge to me than a deadlift. You know, people. Okay. Look, it's one of those funny things. It's one of those funny things. Where, where, like I said, people get deadlift and squats, you know, combined, yes. you know, but the funny thing about it is this here. It depends on how you want to stand up. Right. Do you want to stand up with your legs or do you want to stand up with your lower back? Yes. Which this is why it shouldn't be surprising. A 2020 systematic meta-analysis found that deadlifts, were actually actually recruited more low back musculature than hamstring musculature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it this way here. And it's funny how people, you know, that's why they have these funny words about, you know, because there's a, there's a word called straight leg deadlift. Right. You know, and a straight leg deadlift is you're not supposed to bend your legs at all. But once again, right. who's going to bend over like that and try to, you know, uh, it, it's weird. <laughs> people have these weird things, you know, where you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, and and, and they probably too got confused as people try to do RDLs, you know, versus a deadlift, you know, where, you know, the starting positions are different. Yes. The, the starting position RDL is totally different. The starting position, but they're, they're different. Right. But what are people trying to feel? My hamstrings. Okay. You know, but once again, who, who's that? That's a bodybuilder issue. Yes. I'm trying to use this to target a certain, that's a bodybuilder issue. That's not, you know. So and we, and we talk about how bodybuilders are really great at doing something like isolate muscles. Yes. Just like a preacher curl, which is really great at isolating what? Taking the shoulders out. Because you think about this. Most people that do bicep curls have big shoulders. Why? Because the shoulder's doing the work. Yeah. So if you want to take the shoulders out of the equation, do what? Do a preacher curl. And prop your arms up. And then you use, they're great at stuff like that. Yeah. You know. So, but now we into this thing between, you know, like you say, you have a lot of people teaching hip hinge as, as a, you need to learn how to hip hinge. No, you don't. So it's interesting. I actually went on a search. I was like, where did the, where did deadlifting come from? Like, where did we get this idea that hip hinging is such an important thing? Yeah. And the term deadlift literally comes from to lift a dead weight off the floor. Right. And the very first reference to this is there's a huge stone that archaeologists unearthed, I don't know when, in, right. in the last century. And on it, it says some ancient Grecian picked this stone up. Right. 
So it was a feat of strength to be able to deadlift was a feat of strength. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, cause you had to go back to the days of maybe you had to do that. Right. I'm moving rocks. So I got to be able to deadlift this, this rock up off the ground, you know, or whatever, this boulder off the ground, you know, I'm going to hook around this boulder or this, this log, I'm going to hook around this log and lift it off the ground, you know, and get it up. But yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's one of those things that somebody added rules or something. They shouldn't have rules. And people have added a lot of rules to 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 hip hinging. There's lots of ways you should be able to hip hinge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm but, I'm unclear as to why. Like, what benefit does hip hinging give us? It it it, it to, like I said, if you're trying to work on your hamstrings, but but, but once again, you have, to, you have to understand the structure. So let's go with the structure. You have this hamstring that isn't biarticular. It, right. runs, it runs from here, you know, the, the side of the, of the tibia yeah. to the ischial tuberosity spot. Yes. Okay. So now it's a direct connection. Uh, so so how do I make this thing loose? Well, I have to move, I have to move one of these towards each other. Right. And, and so in one of those situations, like if you're in a, in a, in a squat where legs are running, you know, um, 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 parallel to the ground. At that point in time, the hamstring is loose because why? Because those two things are close now. That makes sense. And so, but as you stand up, you got the tibia stand here, and now the hamstring is basically moving away. It tightens up. Right. So now, being that it's tight, you can't move. So what am I going to do? I'm going to hip hinge. Yeah. As I hip hinge, it puts more stress on this hamstring because now the hamstring is actually trying to stop you from rotating forward. Which is why people feel it in their hamstrings, despite the fact that, again, if you look at like an EMG, there's a lot of work that's actually being done in the erector spinae and the quadriceps, it turns out. Yeah, and so if you look at that whole situation, uh, you know, it's like people want to touch their toes. Right. You know, you can, only go, you can only go so far as the hamstrings let you go. Yep. You can only go so far as the hamstrings, so, so in a sense, hip hinge is kind of the same thing. You can hip, you can lose weight to drag it down to the ground. Right. But, you know, when are you ever going to, and think about this, and people say, you know, in the industry, what they tell you, don't lift with your back. Well, now that you yeah. can't lift with your back. Which I think is so funny. And it makes sense from a lover's perspective that when you're hinged over, right, where the load is, where the resistance is, and where the effort is, that the low back is what's going to pick you back up. Right, but what do they do? They don't have the weights hanging out from underneath them. The weights come back towards the body because they, they swing back towards the body. So that changes the whole level. That makes it an easy lever now. Right. You know, if you put that weight out there from, because uh, the weight, cause like I said, it's closer to the fulcrum, easy to lift. You put the weight out far away from the fulcrum or something like that, oh, it's going to be hard to lift. It's not going to feel very good. No, it's not going to feel very good. <laughs> you know? so, and a lot of times with weightlifting, what they tell you to do, keep the bar close to you. There's a reason they want to keep the bar close to you. It's easier. Yes. Well, you as know? I said, there's a lot of rules with hip hinging. So many. Uh, keep, keep the weight towards you. You're supposed to really get your hips to shift back, right? Yeah. And then if you're deadlifting, you add in all kinds of other stuff, like engage your lats by pulling the bar apart uh, or whatever. Get, you want to, yeah. Yeah. So... So this becomes a thing, you know, I want to move. 
Uh, and, and, and and this way these patterns get crossed over into moving stuff, you know? Right. So now I want to move. And as I walk, what am I going to do? I'm hip hinge. Mm-hmm. Because my legs are going to lock out, my torso is going to lean forward, and I'm basically going to pull myself forward. So I'm hip hinging as I walk. You know, now mm-hmm. I wonder why I have hamstring problems. Right. You know, when I should have squatted. And that's the biggest thing is people don't want to squat. I don't know why people don't want to squat. Yeah. But if you squat, if you squat and not squat this way, but if you actually sit back on your glutes, it turns off the hamstrings, mm-hmm. which makes it easier to move now. Right. And it's a weird thing. Like, don't we want to move easier? Why are we trying to make this hard? You know, why? Why is one thing about lifting weights got transferred to everything else? Which does seem to be a theme in the, I guess, strength and conditioning world. I'll just call it that. That this idea that if we do this thing in the weight room, it's going to suddenly translate to everything else. Everything else. Not suddenly, but it must translate to everything else. When in reality, what it translates is to being able to just do that weightlifting task really well. Yeah. That task really well. Yeah. So, uh but even like people like, what's the one thing people like to do? Like when people do that single leg exercise, like like they uh, they have the weight in one hand and they they basically hip hinge. And like a single leg RDL, basically. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm backing up. You know, that, you know how hard that is on the hamstring? You can feel it pulling right at the connection point. Like this is not a good thing. This is this is a lot of stress on this this one point right now, you know. But what do we do? We learn to override these pain things. We override all these things. We learn to override because somebody said this is good for us. When you go, no, just squat. Right. Just, 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 just go ahead and squat. You know, squat to pick this thing up. Squat to do this. Squat to do that. Squat to move. I mean, even like I said, I still think the biggest thing that people do, and if you, if you, it is, we learn to stand up. Mm-hmm. I know people can't see this at home, but I got to do a quick demo. Let me do a quick demo. Because we're having a conversation, so you know it'll translate. So I, I mean, if I if I'm here and I'm supposed to, you know, if I go here, push back. See now what? Because who's trying to move? The tibia is trying to move back. It can't move. See they're locked. The tibia is back as far as it can go. This can't go. So that becomes the whole thing, and that's all you're trying to do, really. And a hip hinge exercise is if you don't lock, if you don't lock out the tibia, that's the whole thing. But people don't want to do it this way. If I if I if I keep the tibia right here and don't let the tibia come back, if I keep the tibia right here, then guess what it becomes? It becomes a glute exercise. Yes. If I let the tibia lock out, then it becomes a hamstring exercise. That's why I tell you to push it back. They want you to push it back because they want the tibia. Because what's happening is this goes back and pulls the tibia into place. Now you're jammed, like I said, you're jammed up. And so they don't want to go here to go here because now we're basically going, I'm into a squat position. So that, that well, one instruction of push back locks out the tibia, which locks out the hamstring. Which, again, if we're looking at this like from a, I'm using quotes here, a functional perspective, right? And if the goal is to be able to lift things off the floor, Right. You're going to end up using this combination of what's basically a squat and a hip hinge. Like you end up using right. kind of both in order both. to get down right. there to right. get the object. Right. Because you're going to squat so far, you're going to hinge the rest of the way. Right. But but like I said, then they try to target a specific muscle, the hamstring. Like I said, 
you got to lock the tibia out. And so how do you do that? Push your, push your hips back as far as possible. And like, what do we know? That ischial tuberosity moves backwards, which does what? Pull on the tibia because it's connected to the, the hamstring and they're connected. Pulls it back, locked out. Now, hamstrings. Which also begs the question, why is it necessary to target a specific muscle? Because again, in athletic performance or anything, any even just general movement, like if you're just trying to you know, become more fit or whatever, all of the muscles are going to be working together. Right, 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 right. Well, once again, you know, we get to the situation where people struggle to hip hinge. And you, you don't struggle to hip hinge if you understand. This is the whole thing. And we, we've been talking about this. If people understand the structure, all this stuff is easy. Yep. Because all you're trying to do, like I said, if you want a hip hinge, you need to lock out the tibia, which locks out the hamstring. Easy. Yeah. And, and you don't have to eat anything else. Hey, just if you just straighten out your legs and lock out, you're going to hip hinge. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, it's, it's that simple that if I just do this one thing here where if I just keep my legs locked out, yeah. It's automatic. I'm going to hip hinge. If I lock my hips back, I'm going to hinge because I got to lock out the tibia. That's all it is. If tibia goes there. Guess what? You go to a, but that's what. And by tibia going there, for those of you that can't see, he's letting his knees push forward. So the tibia is pitching forward as well. So, yeah. And if tibia, so, but once again, if you understand the basic structure right. of how we do things, it's easy. If you don't, we get complicated. You know, even think about this way here. If the tibia moves, say the tibia moves forward, you know, who comes with it? The gastroc. So what does the gastroc do? It pulls the femur to the femur forward. It just basically it just basically unlocks the system. Right. So that's why the tibia moves, as it moves backwards, what does it do? It pulls on the, it pushes on the gastroc. What does the gastroc do? It pulls the femur into place. So basically I'm just unlocking, locking this joint. I'm just gonna lock, unlock this joint. If the joint locks, hip in, unlock, squat. Which also forces one to ask, like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to inhibit movement? Which is what's gonna happen when you lock things into place. You're gonna be putting the brakes on, right? Right. Or are you trying to facilitate movement? So if the goal is to actually move, then it's important to kind of consider what you're doing too, don't you think? Well, yes, it's, 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 it's that, but at the same time, think about this here. When is the best time to hip hinge? When you about to fall over the edge of a cliff. I was just thinking you're that, trying, yep. <laughs> you're trying to hold yourself back. Yep. So that that's you we've seen that position where somebody gets to the edge of something about to tip over, what happens? Lock out and then you you hinge and and oop, and then you wave your arms. Right. You know, great time to hip hinge. So it's not that you don't know how to hip hinge, it's just an emergency type situation. I don't want to tip over. So I'm a hinge. Oops. Now do you think from like a muscular development standpoint or like a getting stronger standpoint that practicing hip hinging is necessary? No, I, I think you're dull in the senses. I mean, you got to remember, we have these safety mechanisms built into the body. People like to override. Right. You know, if I, if I, if I poke in the same spot over and over and over again, pretty soon you're going to ignore it. Yeah. 
So, so your hamstrings are vibrating. They tell you they're tight. Yeah. You know, but I'm just gonna keep on pulling on you. So keep on pulling on you. So keep on pulling on you. You know, until finally what? You don't complain anymore. Right. So you're not any stronger. You just overrode a signal. You know, and because because the hamstring is holding you up. It's not doing the work to raise you back up. That's another, that's another part of by another system. You know, that's a, like I said, that's back extension at that point in time. Yes. And we, people were like, 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 it's funny when you look at uh, a person's back, if they got, you can see like ones with really strong erectors. They've been using them, just been using them, you know? Uh, uh, so, so it's not even the hamstring that's doing the work. It's something else is doing the work to stand you up. Right. You know? So, so even from that perspective there, you know, because you look at the structure and you go, okay, you know, people always want to talk about hamstring, hamstring strength, all that kind of stuff, making the hamstring stronger. But look at, what is the hamstring really for? It's to help you stand up. It locks the tibia into place. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> I mean, because think if you were crawling, what would your hamstring do? If you were crawling, what would your hamstring do? I get. <laughs> well, now the hamstring provides stability. Yeah, why is it? Why does it provide stability? So that you don't fall Cause, over. Because it's holding what in place? The tibia. the tibia. So essentially, what you're saying is the hamstring is an anchor. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't call it. I would say anchor, but I would say more of it's. 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 It's the linchpin of locking out at the knee joint. Okay. Because of you think think drawbridge. Think drawbridge. Right. Where the knee. Just think about the knee as being a drawbridge. Mm-hmm. And so I have what I'm. Ha- I got in a way to lower the drawbridge and 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 raise the drawbridge. The hamstring is the linchpin to all that. Because, and you're talking like specifically in closed chain though, right? Because in open chain, the hamstring does something a little bit different. Well, open chain depends on where you on what you're doing, you know, because right. once again, that you gotta look at the connection point. Yeah. And and so it's doesn't go where people think it goes, just like mm-hmm. it's not biarticular. It doesn't right. cross two joints. It's behind a joint, but it doesn't cross that next joint. Right. So if you look at it from it's not being biarticular, it's a different story again. Mm-hmm. That's like people lay on their stomach and say, I'm doing a hamstring curl. No, that's a calf. Right. If you want to do something with the hamstring, the hips have to raise up. Yeah. You know, so at that point in time, you know, if, you, if you're sitting, you know, what, what are the hips doing? Because remember, the hip, Intral tuberosity runs a straight line to, to the side of the knee. Yeah. So at that point in time, you go, okay, what is this really doing? Even think about this here. Think about this here. The short head of the, uh, of, of the bicep femoris goes where? To the femur. To the femur, it's the only, yeah. It's the only thing touched. And why is it there? It keeps, it keeps the hamstring tension right. Other than that, that thing with, other than that, that thing as you try to move, the tension would get jacked up on it. So it maintains yeah. tension as you try to move. It's the only, like I said, other than that, there is no bone for the hamstring. It's a straight right. line rope. Which is which is unusual when you start looking at the 
attachment points of the different muscles in the leg, you see a lot of things that are running not linearly. They run all these different directions. Right, 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 right. So so when it's time to hinge, and that's the other part, when it's time to hinge, you know, what's the femur doing? You know? It's staying still, isn't it? Uh, for the most part, yes, and for the most part, no. You know? Because who's moving? The, the, the bottom of the femur has to move to lock out too. Right. So, so it's so it's giving you slack into the system. So, what slack do you finally take up? You finally took the slack of the bicep, uh, the shorter of the bicep femoris. That's you mm -hmm. finally that you finally took up the slack in that. Yeah. So, so when you start looking at this you, once again, who am I training? You know, you know which what you know, I got three of these muscles and and four technically if you count the short head. Four. Right. <laughs> you know, I got three of these muscles. Two go to this side. One go. You know, it, it's a weird thing. And who's working right now, you know? But if you look at hip hinging and what it does, it essentially forces you to lock out at the knee joint. Yeah. And that makes the hamstring tight like a rope. Mm -hmm. Taut is like people say, instead of tight, say taut, you know? Yeah. And, and now I can do what? I'm basically slowly lowering myself. See, it's like, it's like, it's right. like you basically self lower yourself with a rope. Right. You're putting, again, you're, you're, yeah, it's more of a breaking, it's a breaking mechanism versus yeah. a let's speed this up mechanism. Right, 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 right. And so now what's the safety, you know, it was what the thing about it is the safety mechanism that's built in. Technically, if you tilt too far, it releases the tibia. Mm. That's, that's, that's the, that's what should happen. You know, if you go, if you hinge too far, and if people, what do people, that's why I think people are trying to do. If you hinge too far, the knees, see, if, if you hinge too far, the tibia wants to drop out. Right. You force yourself to hold it because it wants to drop out. If you, It's a safety mechanism. So that tells you if, if you hinge too far, these drop out, we probably shouldn't be hinging. I know you've said before that some people are... Basically, they have more of a squat pattern to how they do things, and some people have more of a hinge pattern to how they do things, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, it also depends on up, leg, down, leg. But, but the biggest thing is think about let's 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 go here. Somebody that, that needs lockout fast. Yeah. You know, probably has probably has a short hamstring. Because mm -hmm. because like I said, you probably have short hamstrings, and then when you stand up, what happens? It pops that tibia in the plate. I mean, you got you got to think about this one way. I got two columns. I got the tibia and I got the femur. Yeah. And the only thing holding those things, because remember, the only thing holding those in place is the structure of the hamstring and the gastro. Right. That's the only thing that holds those two things and keep them from, from buckling out. So, so you go, okay, let's look at it from that standpoint there. So what happens if I have a relatively short hamstring? What if I have a relatively long hamstring? You know, what if it's a relatively short gastro or a long gastro? That changes how people will move about. Right. You know, so so the biggest thing is, is, you know, being, a, like I said, there's a reflex built into the hamstrings. If you lean too far, they buckle. Yeah. Which is, once again, if you think about this, if you're about to fall over the edge of the cliff, rotation, you need a rotational component. Yes. Like this. But if I'm leaning at the edge of the cliff here, what's the next best thing? Here. To bend the and so Darian bent his knees instead of pitching over the deck. Yeah. 
that's the next best thing. It's a safety mechanism. Right. And, and far too many times we do what in our body? We override safety mechanisms. We have a whole lot of them. We continue just want to override them, override them for the sake of what? To lift the weight? That you don't need to be lifted? <laughs> well, and it is a curious thing. I've done tasks with people where I put just a variety of objects on the floor, have weighted objects. And I just say, will you pick that up and will you move it across the room? And yeah. nobody ever uses a strict deadlift pattern to pick up the object. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, you're going to be in between these two things because of, of sequence, sequence of, of, of movement and right. everything. But but yeah, to 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 but but to trickly wipe out the deadlift pattern and just say we're going to hands. You go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when you need both of them, you know, and right. far too often, like I said, for the sake of whatever, we wipe out something when we actually need both of them. We don't understand the structure and how things work. Like I said, people like I said. If people would be surprised uh, to understand that the hamstring greatest job is to pull a tibia into position so you can stand up and not fall. Right. That's the greatest job. <laughs> now, how does that, how does that, if that's its greatest job, how does that relate back to the hamstring strain episode that we did two episodes ago? Well, it's the same thing where, where once again, you're in a situation where you don't, the knees can't buckle to relieve the strength. Mm-hmm. And Got so it. you have this, the tip is in place. You're too far out there. Knee can't buckle. Boom. Hamstring strength. You know, so, so yeah. that's, that thing is, is, is that we have the safety mechanism that can't happen at that point in time. It doesn't right. at that point in time. Boom. Hamstring becomes the issue. Right. Which Especially is related to rate. Which is, I'm sorry, what was that? Especially we talk about things moving at that rapid of a rate. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, because we see, because like I said, if the knee bends, you won't pull a hamstring. There's no way. It's too loose. It's too loose to pull. There's no way it's loose. That, that does make sense, actually. <laughs> it's, it's, if knees bent, you won't pull a hamstring. It's just, <laughs> you know? So even if you, even if your foot's on the ground, you try to yank it back. It, it just, it's so much slack in it, it won't, you know? But straighten out your leg and catch your heel, and then all of a sudden you go, "Uh oh!" But if you do that, well, what what happens? The knee wants to bend again. It's, it's, it's amazing how many times we put in a situation where the knee wants to bend, and we don't want it to bend. Right. You know. So I I think, like I said, once again, to me, hinge is a safety mechanism that comes in at play at this time in natural movement patterns. I think that you know, once again, if you hinge too far, the knees will buckle to relieve you of that. You know, uh, and, and then at the same time, our natural pattern is to squat. But people don't want to do what? People don't want to. People want to stand up. Right. You know, so that's just just like, huh? Even, you know, when we talk about just general movement patterns, where I can walk and I'm walking with my hamstrings because I won't let the knee bend. So I'm right. just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna pull myself forward. I'm just gonna pull myself forward with my hamstrings. Yeah, you because know, things work in reverse. If you right. pull something, it doesn't move. You move, you know, like I said, pull something backwards, it doesn't move backwards. You move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of the same thing with with plantar flex. You know, why is the heel raised off the ground? The heel raises off the ground because why? Because the ground's not going to move as you try to plantar flex. Ground is move, you move up. Right. You know. So yeah. All right. 
Well, thank you. That was very informative, as always. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Tree, you know, <laughs> you know I, I mean, like I said, you know, it's funny. Actually, it's funny. Like, I think people should try that. Go ahead and, and do RDL. Let your knees bend at the end. You know, when you, when you feel tight hamstring, let your knees bend. I bet they get a better action, better. I bet, every, I bet everything's going to be better from that than, 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 than forcing yourself to stand up with your back and keeping the Ooh. hamstrings tight. I like that, actually. Yeah. And is that one of the reasons sumo deadlifts are actually a little more effective at loading kind of the musculature of the leg? Well, yeah. Well, the, the biggest thing is, you know, they're not required to have the hamstrings. That's just, right. you know, at that point in time, you just, you just jammed up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so you may get this little movement at the knee, you know, a little yep. movement at the knee, but you're wide and things like that, yeah. you know, but that becomes more of a gastric issue than a hamstring issue. Got it. Okay. You know, and then the glutes are really doing a lot of work to help you out. But yeah, yes. but, but once again, like I said, weightlifting movement, two different issues. Yeah. You know, cause even with a sumo, I'm not going to walk that way. I'm not going to run that right. way. I'm not right. going to, <laughs> so we talk about this, you know, this walkway, you know, this, 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 this walking movement versus weightlifting movement or this running movement versus weightlifting movement. Right. Then they're in different ballparks. That makes sense. So. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, Adarian doesn't know this, but we're doing um, shin splints. Oh, you trying to do me now. Oh, I totally am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you let the cat out of the bag. I know now. I totally did. <laughs> now you know. So you can start thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Shin splints, easy. <laughs> Uh, and if anyone has any comments or any feedback or any topic they would like us to cover, feel free to just drop it in the comment section. All right. And you can't Thanks. see some of the things I did, but imagine, just imagine some of these things, you know, like I said, imagine the knee at the knee being like a drawbridge where I'm going to raise it and lower it to, to, and imagine that. That's a good, good visualization to end on. I like that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs>